You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Okay, so last week we began a series, a new series on the Ten Commandments. And uh, we laid out, we began by laying out some of the perceptions that a lot of people bring to the whole issue of the Ten Commandments. And if you're like me and you grew up hearing the Ten Commandments, your impression of the Ten Commandments is, man, this is a bit of a heavy. These are pretty intense rules. Um, it seems kind of restrictive and even kind of oppressive. You read, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And, and if we're honest, it comes across, God comes across as a little bit mean, a little bit intense. And so one of the things we talked about last week is that uh, the Ten Commandments is actually properly understood, not like that at all. The Ten Commandments are actually a gift of God's grace. They're a gift of God's love and His grace, and that the living and holy God has given us the Ten Commandments to protect and enhance a life of freedom. That's actually what the Ten Commandments are all about. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dive in. We're going to look at the first commandment, but we should probably look at all Ten Commandments. And because you enjoyed this so much last week, let's stand together and we are going to say the Ten Commandments again. Now, I'm going to switch it up. This time, let's see if I get this right. You guys are going to be saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And you guys are going to be saying the commandments, right? Sound good? Um, now, the reason why we're doing it this way should be obvious, and we keep repeating, I'm the Lord your God, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, to remind us that the Ten Commandments are rooted in grace. It is God's saving acts, His, His gracious acts that come first, and out of that we respond. Okay? So this is why we're doing it this way. So we'll say this together. Here we go. This side we'll do I am the Lord your God. Right? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not make idols. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Honor your father and your mother. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not murder. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not commit adultery. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not steal. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not covet. Lord, this is our prayer. 
We uh, thank you for the gift of your commandments. Speak into our hearts, we pray. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Soften hard hearts. And then grant us the courage and empower us to respond to what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. You may be seated. So, the first commandment that we're going to be looking at today, the first commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the, house of, out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, by looking at the first commandment, this is important. If we get the first commandment right, the other nine follow. It's that simple. If you get the first commandment wrong, the other nine follow. This is foundational. This is a foundational commandment. And we need to get it right. If we get it right, the rest will follow, including the life of freedom that God has for us. So I want to shape our conversation by looking at a few questions. Here are some of the questions we're going to look at today. Why does God speak this commandment? What happens if we disobey it? What are these other gods and how do we recognize them? How is the first commandment really good news? And then finally, how do we obey this commandment? So first question. Why does God speak this commandment? Why does God speak this commandment? Well, this is important to get. Why does God say, you shall have no other gods before me? Is God lonely? Is he afraid? Is he narcissistic? What's going on? Well, God speaks this commandment because right from the get-go, God is telling us something about ourselves. Something that we did not maybe know about ourselves. And what God is teaching us is that you and I were made in such a way that only the living God of the universe can satisfy our deepest longings. And so what this commandment is saying, it's, it, God is giving us an incredible compliment because what he's saying to us is this. He's saying that only I can fulfill you and only I will fulfill you. So why does God speak this commandment? Because he knows, he created us, and he created us for communion with him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a love relationship, we are invited into this relationship. And so anything, God knows that if anything or anyone gets between us and him, that thing that gets between us and God will kill us, will destroy us will not fulfill us, will not lead us into freedom, but will lead us into slavery and death. And God's desire is for you and I to flourish. He wants you to flourish. So why does God speak this command? Because as life, he knows that only he can give us life. Okay? The second question is this. Well, what happens when we disobey this commandment? We lose. We lose. We end up living for lesser gods that turn out to be non-gods, which ultimately fail to deliver and which can destroy our lives. And here's the issue, because as human beings, we are created to worship. That's, that's who we are. 
the issue is what or who are we going to worship? And But the problem is, is that if, if we worship anyone other than God, that thing that we worship or that person that we worship will not be able to bear the weight of our soul. And so if we place our faith in, 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 in things, even good things, these things will not be able to stand up. So, for example, I've had people come up to me and say, you know what, David, my family, my family, they're so important. My family is my everything. I'm like, man, that's not good. That's not good. Because if, if, if your family is everything to you, if your family is, is the ultimate thing for you, there's no way your family is going to be able to bear the weight of all your hopes and all your expectations. You are going to crush your family. And I hear the same often for relationships. I do a lot of weddings, and I've said this before, but one of the reasons why I'm a little bit leery about personal vows is because some of the personal vows I hear in weddings are like, you are my everything. You are my rock. You are my love. You are, and I'm like, okay, okay. Um, no. <laughs> What's that song? It is an old cheesy song. I can't live if living is without you. You remember that old song? <laughs> like, and you hear that in a lot of, and it sounds romantic, and it sounds good. You are my rock. And I'm like, no, he is not. And you are going to kill him if you think he's your rock. All right? I'm just saying. And it goes both ways. And it sounds good. But here's the thing. When we place people or things between us and God, we end up draining and destroying these things. Or they end up draining and destroying us. So the point is this, whenever we place anything or anyone before God, you and I are in trouble. Our freedom is affected and our very lives are at stake. Other gods cannot bear the weight of our worship. They do not protect, they do not enhance freedom. They lead to slavery, addiction, and death. Third question, what are these other gods? And how do we recognize them? I mean, we live in a world where you don't see a lot of people worshiping Moloch or, Z or Baal or Zeus or Athena. So what are these other gods? And what do they look like? Well, a god is basically anything that we bow down and worship and give ultimate meaning to. So what are some of the ingredients that go into this kind of wrong worship? Well, sacrifice. So ask yourself this question. What do you sacrifice money, time, and effort to? The other thing about worse, wrong kind of worship is fear. What are the things that will leap to defend if it's attacked? What are you working on behalf of? I mean, there's all these factors that, that lie behind what we worship. So let me ask you, what are some of the other gods in our 21st century world? Let me hear from you. What are some of the gods, the other gods that get in the way in our world? Say again. 
Computers. It's funny, in the last service, the same, same kind of answer. Yeah, computers, yes. Keep going, yeah. Money, celebrity, yes. Your country, very good. Yeah, the name, I remember. Not our country. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Who cares about Canada? Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny, because I used to work, I used to work down in Omaha, Nebraska, and I went, and I worked at a church, and I went to this big church on July 4th, and it wasn't clear who we were worshiping that day with the giant flag and anyhow. Some of my best friends are American. This isn't that, okay. Uh, what else? Health. Very good. Wow. Yeah. Sports teams. Yeah. Like, like good ones, like the Toronto Maple <laughs> Oh, the Canucks. Yes, yes. Kids. Very good. Yeah. Ourselves, yeah, good. Wow, you've gone through the whole list. Yeah. How about um, real estate? If I could just get into the market, then everything will be okay. Retirement. Self-image, yeah. Very good. Um, there's a woman named uh, Joy Davidman. Does anybody know who she is? Joy Davidman. She's C.S. Lewis's wife. And she actually wrote probably one of the best books on the Ten Commandments. It's called Smoke on the Mountain. And she said, the greatest of the false gods are sex, state, science, and society. But I think one of the greatest um, other gods that get in the way, it's just as you said, it's, it's ourself. My freedom, my comfort, my choice, my future. And this is where the heart gets a little tricky. The heart gets a little tricky because you and I could say, hey, hey, I don't worship any of those things. I worship God. I mean, I'm at church, aren't I? Obviously, I worship God. But here's the thing. These other gods can still lay hold of our lives. And sometimes the reality actually is this, is yes, I'll worship Yahweh. Yes, I'll worship God. Only insofar as he does not interfere with these other gods that I have. So if financial security is my other God, then I'll turn off parts about worshiping that call me to generosity and sharing of my resources. If control and security are my other gods, then I'll turn off parts of worshiping God that call me to trust Him and walk with Him. I'll be fine with the presence and the love of God, but not so much with this whole deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus stuff. So, ask yourself, what are the other gods that have taken hold of your life? Now, against this, we lead to, to our next question. How is the first commandment really good news? Well, first off, it brings us to a crossroads in life. The moment you hear this, you shall have no other gods before me, you're faced with a very revealing question. Do I have other gods before me? And what are they? And so you can't be neutral. You cannot hear this first commandment, you shall know the gods before me, and just stay neutral. You have to ask yourself, where am I at? What are these other gods? And how are, <laughs> how's this working out for me? The other thing it does, the uh, first commandment is really good news because it frees us. 
It sets us free. I love what Klaus Bachmuehl says. He says, no person and no thing has the right any longer to enslave you. You are free as soon as you accept God's gracious commandment. So Yahweh says, God says, I am the Lord your God who set you free from bondage and from slavery. I am life. I am the author of life. I am your everything. And he's saying to us, do not go back to Egypt. Do not go back to the things that you think are good, but they're going to enslave you. Receive the freedom that I have for you. And so this first commandment frees us from a lot of things. It frees us from addiction, actually. And you think about it, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why we're tempted to worship false gods is because these false gods, they work for a little while. They actually work. You think about it. Think about it. If, if, if your God is money, health, sex, these gods will seem to deliver at least for a while. If you work on your body, if you work on your body long enough, you work out, the reality is you're going to start looking pretty good. You're going to look, look pretty good. And maybe if you keep working out, maybe people will start to notice you. You, you might even start dating. And... It seems like this God is delivering. It's coming through for a while. The problem is, is the older you get, the more you have to work out to maintain that status quo, right? And after a while, you can work out all you want. <laughs> Things are not going to respond the same way, right? But the other thing is simply this. You can get sick. All sorts of stuff can happen. And if that's your other God, if that's your other God, health and, 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 and vibrancy and all that, and your body starts to deteriorate, then this God has betrayed you. The other one could be, it could be money and power. I mean, these resonate with me personally because for a long time, they were my other gods, money and power. And I believed that they would deliver. And there was a time in my life where I had money and I had power. I was living overseas working for this company. And I made good money and I had lots of power. And I thought my life will be meaningful if I have money and power. And for a while it worked. I'd walk down the street. I was living in Shanghai. I'd walk down the street. And I was in a situation where any store, any store that I looked at, I could buy anything in the store. There was nothing I could not buy. I'm like, this is awesome. I have money, I have power, I can buy whatever I want, except, except, I realized I was feeling more lonely than I ever had before. And I also realized that I thought that this was going to be the ultimate thing. If I had money and power, I would have a life filled with meaning. And it wasn't delivering. And I thought, man, if there is no meaning to life, then why bother living? See, what first looks like freedom will lead to service and servitude and eventually slavery. And I think this is, this is how addiction works. 
So what does the first commandment do? Well, it cuts the rope of our addictions before we get choked. And in many ways, this first commandment is, a, is actually a promise. God says, you shall not. You shall not have any other gods. You don't have to have any other gods. Nobody, nobody has the right to enslave you. In fact, the invitation is this. You can cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And so this, this is huge. It frees us from addiction. It also frees us from the domination of people. It pushes back against the temptation of either making someone a God figure in your life or being a God figure in somebody's life. We're called to live our lives freely before, the, before an audience of one. It also frees us from anxiety-producing questions. These are questions that you ask at night, in the middle of the night. They keep us up at night. And it's like, what are some of the questions? Will I be successful? Will I be of any use in life? Will I ever find that special someone? What am I to make of my life? Why aren't things working out the way I had hoped they were going to work out? And so we read these words, I am the Lord your God. And, and when we hear those words, I am the Lord your God, it puts, it puts out of mind fear and perplexity and anxiety because we know that God is and God is good and that he knows me and it is God's desire that I would be free. Right? This is huge. It also frees us from the tyranny of fate. That you and I are not subject to random forces out of our control. Yes, storms come our way, but we are also promised that God is a God who leads us through the darkest valley. And will never leave us all the days of our life, Right? These are words of freedom. And he also frees us from the tyranny of indecision. Have you ever met someone who bounces back and forth between incredible optimism and incredible despair and disappointment? One day they're, ah, I can just see this is where my life is heading. And the next day it's like, oh, it's not working out that way. When we're left to ourselves, we're going to waver between optimism and despair Understanding and perplexity. And, and a lot of us, we're faced decisions. And, and, and we don't know how to make these decisions. Many of you are facing really important decisions. And without the first commandment, how do you make this decision? Be like, I don't know, maybe I'll do this. I remember when I was faced with the decision whether or not to go overseas to live. And I ended up moving to China, I moved there, planning to stay there for six months, stayed for four years. Now, the, the, the reason why I went to China was I didn't know what else to do. And I made the decision like this. I, I, I didn't know how to make a decision. And the problem is, is you and I have all these decisions to make. And what this first commandment says to you today, God says to you, let me be your counselor. Let me guide you. 
I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of that mess. I want you to flourish. And here's the thing. I, God, God is so infinite. He knows you and he loves you finitely. He knows everything about you. God does not love humanity. He loves you. He doesn't love in generalities. He loves in particularities. And he knows everything about your life. He knows your story. He knows everything about it. And he says, let me guide you. I'll guide you. I know you. I know what's good for you. Listen to me. So God says to us, you're no longer responsible for success. Just follow me. I'll tell you, that's freedom. Okay, last question. How do we obey this first commandment? Well, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but we don't obey it by trying really, really, really hard to obey it. If you try really, really hard to obey this commandment, you are toast. You will not get very far. So what's our starting point? Grace. It's always grace. We cannot follow this commandment apart from grace. Grace precedes this commandment. And the heart of God behind this commandment is love and grace. And he desires for our lives to flourish. And so one of the ways we obey this first commandment is we confess to God. God, I confess all these other gods that get in the way. And from this place of confession, we pray for God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, to help us respond to loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But this is a response to God's amazing grace. God's grace always comes first. Secondly, we expose the other gods in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you this week to ask some very, very awkward questions. Okay, you ready for them? Here's one question. Why do you trust in things that won't deliver? You think they might, yeah. But deep down, you know from experience, like, yeah, no, it's not going to. So, so then you ask yourself, okay, what is it about these things that I find myself again and again falling into trusting them? I know they're not going to deliver. But in the long run, it's not going to work, yeah. So, but here's the thing. How you answer this question, if you're really going to delve deep, is going to look different for each person because each person has different issues that makes these things come to the surface. Why these things? So, here's a few questions that you're going to ask this week. I would invite you to ask. They are awkward. They are difficult. First question, what is it that gives me a sense of security? What makes me feel safe? Is it being in the real estate market? Is it my job? Is it your looks, your spouse? What is it that makes you feel safe, that gives you a sense of security? Ask yourself that question. Second one, what is it that brings you hope? What is it that gives you hope? When you look to the future, where do you find hope? 
I keep hitting this one, but is your hope that, you know, housing prices will stay or, <laughs> you know? Other questions, what am I afraid of? Honestly, what is it that makes me afraid? Is it being anonymous? I think that's a deep fear in many people's lives, is being unnoticed. Being poor, not being accepted. Some people's their deepest fear is, is to be sick, maybe with a virus. When you are in a crisis, where do you look first? Right? When stuff happens, when the crisis happens, where do you look? Do you look to yourself? And say to God, you know what? I appreciate you, God. I got this. Because I'm not sure you're going to come through, so I got this. I'll tell you. That's one of the biggest issues I have in my own life. Is I trust God, but when the stuff really happens, it's like, yeah, no, I got this. Just, just to be on the safe side. Now, I want you to ask these questions this week. They're awkward questions, aren't they? I'm just going to make it more awkward. Invite a friend. Invite a friend and walk through these questions. And invite a friend who loves you, but is not impressed with you. You don't want an echo chamber. You don't want a fan going, oh, no, David, nothing's wrong with you. You're awesome. No, no, you don't don't want a fan. You want someone to say, yeah, that's totally you. I can see that. And I got a few other gods that maybe you have forgotten. Um, (laughs) But I love you, man. You know, that kind of thing, right? These are important questions. We need to expose them, because when you expose them, you can get rid of them. And finally, the invitation is come to the one who offers us freedom and life. That's how we obey this first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you want to know what this commandment sounds like in the New Testament? It's there in the New Testament. In the New Testament, if you want to hear this command, look to Jesus. For it is Jesus who commands us to follow him, but he commands all because he gives all. He is the incarnate Son of God. He is the truth, the life, and the way. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's God. So if you want to hear this first commandment expressed in the words of Jesus, hear Jesus say to you this morning, hear these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. That's the first commandment. So Jesus speaks to us today And he asks you the question, why are you living in slavery? Why are you living in slavery to fill in the blank? I have come to set you free. It is for freedom that I came to set you free. Do you long for that freedom? And so 
I'll conclude our time by asking you, are you feeling weary and heavy laden these days? Then come to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Have no other gods before him. Embrace the freedom that he has on offer. And here's the thing. He will offer you rest for your weary soul. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. We're going to do two things. We're going to pray and then we're going to take communion. Okay? Let's first pray. Jesus, we come to you. And there may be some here this morning who are coming to you for the first time. Your invitation to us today, to every one of us, is come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And there are so many people here today that are tired. They're tired of trusting in gods that fail. Other gods that do, that don't, do not deliver. And we hear your commandment this morning, rooted and premised in grace. You shall have no other gods before me. And you give us this commandment to protect and enhance a life of freedom. And we confess that we have been stuck kind of in this mire and the muck of following these other gods that we thought were going to deliver, but sure do not. And we pray that you would lift us out of the muck and the mire and place us upon solid ground. And so we come to you and we confess these other gods that get in the way. And our desire, and we lay this before you, is to have no other gods before you, Lord. That is our desire. And we pray by your strength, by the work of the Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to enter into the freedom you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.